cool, cool, cool. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome, guys, to the One Step Away podcast. Uh, we're all here today and we'll continue to be with you, the listeners, and eventually uh, the viewers, because as it says in our bios, as it says in our promos, it's time. I'm sure everyone else will agree with me. It's time. It's time to build. We agree, my man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's time yeah, to build. Yeah. It's time to come together. It's time to have those honest conversations. It's time to let the young men and women know that what they're starting to feel now is what we've already felt and what's what we feel. It's time for the older generation to kind of know what we're now starting to feel as kind of men now and what they've felt. Like we can relate to those. That's so about bringing those generations together. So welcome once again. It's our first, it's our pilot as well. Um, but we want to change the narrative uh, where there's no more silence because how often do you get to hear or see six black men talking about their feelings? So, yes, um, and I just want to say as well from this side that I'm blessed that I'm sitting here with all my brothers. You know what I mean? And we're going to be bringing through the sisters at some point. We're going to be bringing through some guests at some point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What I will say as well is that having a platform in order to speak and let off your peace without any pressure of someone oppressing your mind pressing your voice or anything is such a blessing because I'm so used to having to shut my mouth when I have to. Now I feel I can speak freely and that's called liberation. I'm loving that. 100, 100%. And I guess we've all been brought here together. We were discussing earlier. Um, this is like 20 years in the making. Like we've had this, the, the longest friendship we've had is like 20 years uh, of life experiences. So this format probably it's been 10 years in the making actually wanting to sit down. We, we, we talk about this stuff all the time. We, well, we talk all the time. So this isn't a knee-jerk reaction to kind of the current events in the world, which we care about dearly. And we have our own thoughts and opinions, which you'll get to know and understand as the episodes go on. But this is something that we've always wanted, wanted to do. And we, we just, I guess, maybe current situations has been a catalyst or kind of just made us more ready and prepped and, and aware. But either way, we're here now. Um, I guess a lot of viewers, listeners will want to kind of understand why is it one step away? Why is it one SAF? Like what's a peculiar podcast name? Um, For us, it's not. Kay, um, if you could, would you like to kind of just explain to our viewers and listeners just an understanding of our, of the name of our podcast? So I will do a classic uh, cooking show. This is what I made earlier type situation. (laughs) And, um, I have prepared for this, of course, so um, I want to read this out. Um, So quite simply, One Step Away From was originally termed during a conversation between me and my brothers, which resulted in a statement where we, as black men, are always one step away from jail or one step away from the graveyard. This evolved over discussion and quickly became a format for realization where we are always one step away from undesirable outcomes and equally are several steps away from desirable outcomes. So quite simply, it's easier for people from our background to meet negative ends for whatever reason and harder for us to meet positive ends. So this became our slogan, our phrase, and now an organized group to share our thoughts, feelings, and enter into critical discussion. We are one step away from, and through this platform, we plan to inverse the steps in this sense for people from our cultural background to be one step away from desirable outcomes and several steps away away from undesirable outcomes. That is one step away from. Yeah, man. Boom, bam. 
that is exactly how it is. You know what I mean? So all I'd say to our listeners is you'll get, you'll learn to, you'll learn a lot about us. You'll learn to love us. You'll learn to probably maybe hate us. You'll learn to rate us. You hate me. (laughs) (laughs) You'll learn to to understand us. But the most important thing of this podcast is, even though history has tried to mould us otherwise, is that we are human. We do have deep feelings, thoughts. Don't get it twisted. We are all strong black men, but there's also another side that often gets overlooked due to key stereotypes. And we don't want the next generation to go through that same cycle. So yeah, thank you for that, Kay. Um, So I want to get straight into it um, because I've been speaking quite a lot. We need to flesh out and kind of give our listeners and viewers an understanding of where we come from because there needs to be a, a, a... there needs to be a reason. There's a reason why we're here as men. And it starts from just, in my opinion, growing up, it starts from just going through life experiences. So my question to the group, to the boys, just so people can understand where we're coming from. And so we can set the scene, give a flavor for what we're going to be speaking about today, but also moving forward in future episodes, because we are here to stay. Um, I want to go around the group and just get a feel, just starting maybe from, let's start from home life first. So maybe we'll break it up, home, school, work, relationships, leisure. Uh, let's start from home. Like, I don't, jump in whoever wants to start first, but who, what are those, the first experiences that kind of make, made you the person you are, makes you feel, maybe you've experienced uh racism from an early age maybe your experience just being feeling different from an early age but just understanding how we what the black so experience I could jump in here go for it yeah um i understood that i wasn't british from a from an early age now what do i mean by that we didn't have no flags of england in in the home and such we had flags of of our homeland or our i guess given homeland but we'll get into that in a different conversation um I understood that I wasn't British from early and it didn't mean just because you've got a passport, because you've got a birth certificate or because you were born in a British English hospital that you were accepted as British. I learned that was different from day one. Just the way that my family done things um, in terms of gatherings, in terms of music, food, in terms of the way we speak, in terms of experiences from my ancestors. Um, I knew that I had a different start. Um, it was coined, I believe, when it was later. Uh, I should remember this song. I was born, born with a silver spoon. I should remember that song. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason why I say that, <laughs> the reason why I, I say that is because the spoon that I realized that I was born with was a wooden spoon, if a spoon at, at all. And the silver spoon and the golden spoon was attributed to those that had a, a her- hereditary background whether it was uh financial or just by length of time and and generation that you were able to go back into now that was a major thing for me i looked at my own household and i looked at my friends household who were from different cultural backgrounds and they just lived different (laughs) they just lived different Mm. um those who were from my own cultural background such as you lot you lived the same as me so I knew there was something different about me and my family from day one, just by the way we lived. And that culture doesn't mean if you're part of that country, you automatically adopt their culture. Culture is within each household, man. And that's what I learned from being a younger. Okay. Cool. 
Okay. Yeah, I'll go. I think growing up as a child in a Bayesian household, um, family was a massive thing. Like, it's almost like you're home from home. So everything you do here on, in these aisles had a, a knock-on effect at home. So whether you're the top earner in the family, you're sending money home. I'm sure we've all made barrels and sent home. Do you know what I mean? So it was always, that was that was growing up. That was me. That was, I was in the middle seat going to Gatwick Airport to go and pick up the um, the relatives that came over yeah. for six weeks at a time. Do you know what I mean? I had no choice. Bedroom gone. Do you know what I mean? If I had football on a Saturday, nope, we're going to Wembley Market. All them things there. So like family was always always paramount. Two, it had its pros and cons, as as Kay said, as a conversation for another time. But that was my foundation, and that has stood with me through thick and thin, up and downs. That has always been a thing for me. So yeah, that's that's where I would like to start with my foundation. Came from there. Cool. I'll jump on the next one. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean. I'd come from a Caribbean background and like's been re- like what has been reiterated, you know, I was always made aware of my Caribbean background and, you know, my father would often buy the, the gleaner, <laughs> which was uh, an old school Jamaica paper. And uh, he would send me as a little boy, I'd run across the road and he'd say, go and buy the gleaner for me. And I'd run across and buy it. And, you know, we'd often read, I think he was reminiscing because obviously he was reminiscing of the old times in the Caribbean. And I think by buying that newspaper kind of made him, it tied his roots, so to speak. And, uh, you know, food was a a large thing in our family as well. You know, soup on a Saturday, rice and peas on a Sunday, that sort of stuff. And so that's really what ties, you know, my identity and um yeah that's me okay okay so if i can jump in now um so for myself um my background was a lot different to you guys um obviously i wasn't born here so the foundation i had um i had to adapt once i came over to this country and i never thought i was different from when i was born until i came over and my parents had to actually sit me down and sort of lay down the rules as to why we have to act a certain way mm-hmm. and why things are different. So upon being told that and having a culture shock of um, a new country, a new way of doing things, trying to settle in, going into school, um, I felt lost in a way. Because I had to, in my mind, I was saying to myself, right, you've got to get rid of everything that you know and start fresh. But it wasn't until three, four years down the line, I realized, no, I didn't need to lose anything. All I needed to do was to adapt. So merge the two together and find my own way of dealing with things. Um, Still kept in touch with my roots, still was calling back home to my friends, my family, like all you guys, family is important to us. And that's one thing that was drilled into me from a very, very young age. And up to now, we're still keeping in touch with that. So, yeah, I, I had a different experience. But it, um, 
sort of made me who I am now. And yeah, grateful for it. Cool. Jay. Cool. Um, like T said, um, I wasn't born in the UK. Um, I spent most of my childhood in the Caribbean. Um, so I wasn't aware that I was different because everyone around me was looked like me for the most part, even though my family is uh, what most people would call a mixed family. If you look at my family, we all different shades um, and we all have different mixes of ethnicity. So race growing up for me was never an issue. Like I played with my cousins that were what some people would call white and um, etc. I didn't uh, realize I was quote unquote black until I came to the UK. And that's right. when I realized Oh, I am actually different from everyone. Um, I'm seen differently. And like all our parents told us, we have to be different to be accepted or to try and excel in the, in the British society, in the British culture. Um, we, ha- we have to move, maneuver differently. So like I said, growing up, I didn't, being black wasn't not, uh, wasn't a, a issue for me until I came to the UK and I realized, okay, I am black, I am different, and I have to be careful how I act. I have to be careful how how I approach certain things. So that's my experience and my foundation from my childhood. So yeah, going forward, it molded me to act a certain way because yeah. I had to. Yeah, and I think um, for me, I just uh, there's parts of all of your experiences that I can relate to um well, apart from maybe not I guess being born in the UK is different to being born outside so uh for me um I think we all mentioned about feeling different or being different in certain at certain times um and that was echoed to me from my parents or from my mum growing up um the perception of having to, or having to, just being told from a young age, you have to be, it was like when you, when we look back at it now, it's, it's our, basically our parents were just preparing us, trying to protect us. If that makes sense. Like saying things like having to work harder, um, or twice as hard, sometimes more, I'm sure. Um, why it's important to stay out of trouble. Uh, and I'm sure as a parent, and a parent myself, like they're things that you tell to any child, but there was a hidden or there was a, another dimension to why, for me, what I believe anyway, why I'm being told this. And that was because of my color. I have to work harder because of my color. I have to stay out of trouble more so because if I do get picked up or from the, from the police or anything like that, I'm probably, probably going to be treated a lot more harshly in this country. But when you're a parent, you have to convert those conversations to young children you have to kind of install those kind of little bits of awareness in your mind in your children's minds but I guess you can't have those full-blown conversations until you come of age um and I guess to culminate me for me feeling okay and we'll get onto schools in a second um I'm different for my peer group is when there was an introduction of actually understanding black history and my my mum like took getting all of our children sitting around and going right guys this is some of our history and mapping that out so segueing on to the next stage of when you grow up school life like for me 
um i think this podcast i think us as black men this is gonna probably be eye-opening for even other black men across the uk and across the world because our circumstance what people need to understand is the black experience is different depending on where you are geographically so for me when you don't live in like an inner city or major city uh normally a lot of times within your school environment growing up you're there's only a few other black children or children that look like you in the school so immediately okay whether you're conscious of it or whether the other children are conscious of it which i think they are but that's another conversation this now is the next stage of was the next stage of my journey is actually not being around people that look like me so i can relate when it comes to playing sport and stuff like that but as uh, it was mentioned before by Kay, in terms of when you actually come out of that school environment and you go to your friend's homes and you feel you're like, oh, well, this is different or this is different. That's when that starts becoming more of a, okay, we're operating differently. We're working differently. And also my mum's told me to, I've got to work harder because of X, Y, and Z. So next question, I guess, for uh, everyone is what, what was school like for you guys? Like from, early school to even maybe moving up to kind of secondary school? Um, for me, um, I went to school in uh, London, East London. So that was when I first came to this country. I remember it was funny. Um, my mum brought me over, because my mum came over first, and she brought me over, it was summer holidays. So she brought me over to spend her summer holidays in the UK. And I remember coming up to the end of August, I already had a return ticket. And I remember packing my bags and saying, well, I'm ready to go back to, to the Caribbean. And she goes, she goes to me, she goes, no, you're staying. And I remember that absolutely crushing me because I was looking so forward, looking to go back to school. Um, but I went to primary school in East London. And for the most part, it was, it was, I would say, a lot of the people, it was like black and ethnic minorities, a lot of Asians, a lot of um, black Caribbeans, a lot of black Africans. There was, there was a few whites, but in the area I lived in, it was, it was uh, what some people would class as the hood or the ghetto at that time. So primary school for me, I never really, I was okay. I, I um, uh, what would you call it? I acclimatized pretty quickly and assimilated myself into school life, made new friends. It wasn't only until I moved to the rural area in Suffolk where I realized in school that being black was, would have been an issue just by the school that I originally applied for that I was in the catchment area for, which was, uh, some people would say, is like a, a bougie post school, I wouldn't call it. But um, I remember going... <laughs> I remember going to there to, to see it and not really seeing anyone that looked like me and the whole staff, no, there was no one on the staff that looked like me. And eventually I didn't, I didn't even get into that school anyway. And I generally think it's because one, I was black and two, I came from London and a bad area. But um, the secondary school I did found, um, uh, well, we, most of us in this group went to school together. So, um, it was good. I had a good secondary experience, a few few little bits of racism that was dealt with. Um, but yeah, secondary school made it through. That's, that's the best way I could put it. So as for myself, um, 
it was was quite a tough adjustment coming from um, you know Africa, and then I was at a boarding school there. Coming over here, and I'm going um, to school completely different. And I remember the first day of school, I didn't speak to anyone. I was just quiet. You know, you're feeling lost. You're in the corner by yourself. You're just observing what's going on. Quite a culture shock at the same time. Um, and then after that, a couple of weeks later, I remember the first thing that came out. I was like, oh, yeah, he's an FOB. I was like, FOB, FOB, what does that mean? Obviously, this was in Romford. So trying to understand the English slang of it was a challenge, let alone um, everything else. And I remember like, just asking myself, what does that mean? But I didn't have the courage to actually ask. So there was a few remarks that were made. And, you know, sometimes when you don't understand things, you just laugh at them. <laughs> but you don't realise what it is. Until I plucked up the courage and I asked, it was like, oh, yeah, fresh off the boat. So okay. I remember feeling really down about it. And I'm thinking, so I'm being treated different. One, because of my colour, and then two, because of my accent, where, you know, it was in, on par with the, the Essex accent. And um, I was just, just withdrawn from everyone. I remember I only had one friend at that point. It took me about over a year to then really feel settled. And just because I felt different, I just felt I had to isolate myself from people. Mm. So it was really um, a tough time. Like I said, um, I felt lost and it was like, wow. I wanted to go home. I remember one time I went back to my mom's and I was like, look, I want to go back. And she was quite distraught. Like, hold on, you've got a better life here. Starting something new. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not for me. I had friends, I had family around me, I had people who understood me, people who understood, mm. people who didn't treat me different. To now coming over here, the weather's cold, um, people were just not as friendly. Um, yeah, so it was a tough time until um, you get used to it, you, you then get with the program, so to say, and you, you find your place. And then I remember going into college, that got a lot better because I went into college in um, in London. So the the ratio was quite neutral. You had a lot of white people, Asians, blacks, um, which felt more at home. Um, and then got to meet fellow countrymen and stuff like that. So yeah, it was a uh, quite an unusual one. Yeah, man. I'm, I guess that in itself is a culture shock. Like, and probably the question going through your young mind would have been why like if everything was so good and now it's changed to weather being bad not being around my friend like the the question i would have is why um so yeah that, that that's that's deep I'll, I'll jump in um for me uh i didn't really have many experiences um of like bad experiences but i had experiences where i was aware that something was different um one was never had any problems like during like primary school or infant school or um junior school um apart from one occasion where and i've spoken about this before where um i couldn't have been no more than six or seven where we're just playing a game and then to pick out the person to start again when you do eeny meeny miny mo well instead of tiger that this person this young this young girl you and uh it's you know some some of those times you get kids where they come to the school and they, you don't see them for a few months and they come back again like that kind of kid 
Um, and she, uh, yeah, she was catch her N word by the toe. And at that time, I didn't have a full understanding, like a proper, full, deep-rooted understanding of that word. But I knew that word wasn't good. I, I just like as soon as I heard it, it wasn't good. But the thing that um, and relating back to tea, where you just kind of laugh it off, is because there was no one around me that could. There was no one around me to back me up because I was the only black child there. But also, no one understood that word. I don't even think the little girl who used it. That's probably just something that she heard growing up, I guess. Um, but from that point to point, I just felt it's like one of those movies where the camera just zooms in. It's like, okay, this I know, I know that this word's not right. No one else knows about it. So there's an ignorance from the person that's saying it. And there's an understanding, okay, I'm, I'm a bit different. Um, and that was only, probably the only kind of experience, like from the young kind of elementary years, like primary school, infant school. Um, one funny one, one of my good, good friends, still a, a, a good friend to this day, like 30 years of friendship, um, growing up. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's good or bad, but I remember one time he got really upset when he came to my house because he really needs to go toilet, like, like toilet, toilet. And he got, he was getting upset and I was going, what's wrong? Why, why are you upset for? And he said like, cause I need to, I really need to go to the toilet. But, and I said, but what? He said, I didn't think black people done poos. <laughs> and, and we were just sitting, we were just laughing. I was laughing because like, I've never. But, wow. And he, he was getting really upset. But once again, as, as much as that was funny and I still laugh about it today, there's still an element of, okay, well now my best friend thought something different like he didn't think people like me done a natural human thing so as much as so we're you young, did have a toilet basically <laughs> well we did that's what i mean but we had a toilet <laughs> 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 but even what, those little things even those his background was he from though he was he's white he's like a white uh, english english boy but he, but we we grew we grew up together. They've done everything together. But when we came into, but I think it was when we came into each other's houses, where like, you know how kind of Caribbean houses you can't go in like, well for me growing up you couldn't go in the living room like yeah, you can't go in the front room. room. You can't yeah, go in the front room. But I guess but for, but for me and this this is another thing leaning back to what Kay said like even growing up like the household was different. Now, I'm I'm not putting any downers on anyone else but from a, just to give insight the Car- like. Growing up with a Caribbean heritage, um, my mum was everything had to be like prim and proper. It was like proud, proud. You know what I mean? Buckingham Palace and, and even uh, the yeah. and, I, and I think in the West Indian culture, and I think that's that's a well, that itself is another podcast. But I think mm. um, because the house was kind of in such a way where it looked like nothing was touched because that's just how my mum was. <laughs> I think my friend just didn't think like that toilet was ever used, the downstairs toilet. So he's getting really upset and saying, but anyway, I, I, I digress. But what I'm trying to say is that's enough. That was another experience for me growing up because I didn't have many kind of big ones until I got to high school. Then things started separating and we started oh. kind of being, can we I just start, add a little bit on top of that? Yeah, go for it, man. Yeah. Because what opened the doors up for me was, is, is this, if he went round his white counterpart's home, would he have thought because the house is clean that they don't have a toilet? No. Well, that, the that's, question, the, that's well, the question I would ask. No, but the statement was, the statement was, I didn't think black people done the number two. Right. So that, that, so so, that, that, that was the, that's, that is the checkpoint there. That's so right. from my experience, uh, that's where it was like, okay, as much as now, isn't that funny though, that he made a differentiation now 
despite you being young and despite you not realizing you're black until you get certain ex- experiences, he knew you were black though. Yeah. Despite being your best friend. Yeah. And this, and despite that, he learned. And this is the key thing. He learned from somewhere. Kids don't just develop things from birth. You you can't leave a child unnurtured, no environmental influence, no external influence whatsoever, and you can't just leave that child and they will suddenly be enveloped into a independent, thought-provoking being that is doing this and that and knows how things work and how to process and how to even speak words. They have Mm -hmm. to have interaction first. So in order for him to get to this stage in his life where he come around his best friend's home and say, I didn't think black people done poos, meant that he didn't see you as his equal. Because his equal is his white counterpart who he could go around and he yeah. knew they had a toilet. But his, yeah. black, but his black friend, he didn't have a toilet. That's, no. that's interesting. No, no, no. Because the toilet was seen, but it was just the fact of doing that action. So it's, yeah. I, I see where you're coming from. I personally believe it was just the fact that uh, if you're not around diff- people that don't like, you, you do start thinking, well, why? Like, just flipping it on the other side, why am, like, there's obviously like I don't really agree with like you don't people don't see color or children like you do, but mm. if you're if you're if you've been brought up until a certain age I don't know age of if you get to the age of five or six or when you start getting into school and you haven't been around anyone else other than what you look like, you're gonna start as a child you you're in my opinion anyway you're gonna naturally kind of start forming opinions of something if you see something that I you've agree for you're gonna start just having those as a, your imagination is gonna run worse but I see where you're coming well, from. Okay, but um, but I just think for that one, I I do I, I don't want to say it was, I want to say it's innocent, but I want you guys to understand what I'm saying. Like for me, that wasn't a negative experience. It was it was more of an experience to kind of yeah. it, it kind of put me in intrigued. Mind. It it made me realize okay, as much as the friendship is there, there's obviously still a I, I don't know if barrier is the right word. I don't think that disconnect. Is the right word. Yeah, there's a that's that's exactly the word. Yeah, disconnect. disconnect. So, so so for me, for my grow, my growing up, my school, I think those two experiences for me were where okay, there's a disconnect because one, when when that girl used the N word and no one else around me backed me up or anything or knew it, that there's a there's a disconnect there. And also when my best friend thinks that I don't do, I wish I didn't, um, that I don't do number twos, <laughs> there's a dis, there's a disconnect there. You know what I mean? So that's there might but. That's a good point, and maybe that is something that we need to kind of maybe uh, dissect a bit more in the future. Okay. Yeah. So just to cement your point there, I I third agree with you in what you're saying about it, there's just a disconnection. So when I was in Africa then, um, where I lived, there wasn't really a lot of white people. We didn't see white people, and as I got to school then, I got to see more white people and I was intrigued about our history and the colonialism around that. And one thing that I knew from history, what, what they used to say about white people when they came to colonialize our country was they didn't have knees to, to black people because they had trousers, yeah? Simple thing that they had trousers mm. and they had never seen clothes around. It was, you know, back then it was animal skin, but to them, the only way they could describe these people was, oh, the people with no knees, because they couldn't see their knees because they there was there was trousers covered. Yeah, 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 yeah. So do you get what I'm saying? So if you flip the coin, we had the same mindset or the same disconnection as that little boy of thinking, okay, you're different from me. So I'm picking out the difference, and now I'm I'm imagining things because I see that you're different, 
Now I need to put it into context as to why you're different and how you're different. But T, can I put some feedback there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from I'm I'm just taking in what I'm seeing here now, and I know we need to go around and share all her uh, school experiences. But sure. with M's example, his friend saw the toilet, but didn't think he'd done number twos. You didn't see the knees. That's why you didn't think they had knees. That's the difference. He saw the toilet and didn't think they'd done number twos. You didn't see the knees, so you didn't think they had, they had knees. Can you, no, can, but the, can the you see there's a... The, the context is the same, but the, yeah, the, the yeah. differentiation, it isn't. All right. So I, I, I hear you, but what I'm saying is, the first thing was the skin color was different. So when you, when you see something is different now, you start to think things and assume things. That's what yeah. I'm getting at. Yeah. You start to then, it's just for example, when we're, when we're little, I remember seeing a girl. I was like, how is a girl different? And then realizing like, oh, okay, that's the difference. And you're fascinated by it. Like, oh, really? Do you get what I'm saying? So it's, mm-hmm. it's actually realizing, okay, this person is different. But now your imagination is running wild as to why they're different and how they do different things mm. to you. Yeah, mm. you might not right. You might not right. When it comes to like my schooling, um, I think the word uh, the word is the disconnect. But my disconnect was um, unconscious until maybe the latter stages of primary school. Um, I say my mother she did well to raise me in a way where yeah I did see colour and I did what well, I was proud. Do you know what I mean? I was proud, like to a point where. I may have got myself into certain situations at schools with teachers or whatever when I get a bit older, but I don't, I don't, I don't come away from that pride at all. But the thing that happens for me at school was like it would be my mother who would hear things other than me. So one time at my primary school, we had a school play. Excuse me, yeah, we had a school play, and um, we were in the school library waiting around for our turn to come on, and. Um, we were there reading the book and I must have got a book down, Funny Bones, I think it was, something like that, that series of books. Got a book down and reading books, it. And, big books, yeah, just yeah. saying. <laughs> down a dark, dark street in a dark, dark, yeah. Anyway, um, got the book out and a bit of mess was made. And we had this one teacher, I won't mention his name, um, but what one teacher, he said, ah, oh, you lot always make noise, are you? Yours lot, it's always your lot, let like, do this. And at the time, I didn't, I didn't, um, I don't know, what's to contemplate or, or, or think too far into what he was saying. But of course not, you're it, at school, you're young. Yeah, but young. I, these, I must have been about year four, if that, year four, year five. And um, at the time, I was like, ah, oh, that kind of flew over my head. But before I could even bend down to pick up a book and try to clear up this mess, my mum was behind this teacher. Oh, dear. <laughs> in this group who know my mother um can imagine her, her distaste for, <laughs> <laughs> for for the said comments and um cut a long story short it proceeded to having my mum come back into school sitting down with the head teacher um with this said teacher with me um talking about this incident now that to me was when the penny dropped. Okay. So I think to myself, I don't know whether my mom did well to, I don't know, maybe put me in a bubble or let me experience as much as I could, but maybe not let it, diluting it a little bit just so I could be a child. 
she already knew what I got, but just, just, just she wanted me to be a child. At the end of the day. That's, that's deep, you know. Yeah. There, the penny dropped in that office, and I wouldn't say a part of me changed, but a part of me grew. Okay. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, like, I didn't walk nowhere with no hunchback no more. Did you know what I mean? This is like I'm, I'm year five. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm pushing on. I'm coming in. I'm going into my teenage years. So that was, that was, that was a prominent thing for me. And things like that happened quite regularly at school. And like high school, we've all been in history lessons. It comes around to Black History Month. Do you know what I mean? And it gets to a point where teachers asking the questions and the whole Boy. class is turning around looking at you for the answer. <laughs> I think that, do, that doesn't change. That doesn't change as you get older. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that silence? <laughs> a thousand words. I say that. You know? And um, yeah, that, I'm, I'm sure all of us have been in that position before. And, and I laugh and I, I think back to my mom again. And we had the same incident with another teacher in in high school history teacher, Scottish. Mm-hmm. Like, for those that know. Yeah, of course, colonial masters. No, no, it's not even that. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, that wasn't even a reference to that. I know, I know, I know. Nah, shot fine, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't even a reference to that. It was reference, like, obviously, that you guys that went to my school know of a history teacher from Scotland. Um, and, yeah, my mum and her had, had words, and she never came back. So did my mum and her. Yes, there we go. See, there we go. And um, she these mums, eh? These these black mums. <laughs> <laughs> that was at the end of one term, and she never returned for the following term. So, boy, it's just it's one of them. And obviously, just to clarify, there was no violence. There was no aggression or anything like that. It was a. Frank... Why would you assume that? <laughs> True. It's con- conditioning. Conditioning. There you um, go. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I digress. But, yeah, there was no none of that. And, and we moved on forward with that. And as I said, I, I grew again from that moment. Okay. Okay. Uh, I suppose it's just me, then. Well, I've got to say my piece, too. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, my um, experience at school was, was an interesting one because I suppose it was quite a kind of... I enjoyed school, but my early years were quite, um, I think I was a little bit lost because I'd come from a family where my mother was ill and, uh, you know, and, and because she was ill kind of impacted my experiences through school as a young person, mm. especially in my, you know, the, those, those formative years. Mm. And, uh, I suppose, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, you kind of, kind of felt like I was a bit of a lost soul because, um, you know, my mum was ill and I suppose, like I say, it, it impacted my, um, I wouldn't say the thought process, but you know, like when you were a kid, you, you, it was almost as if, well, I was that kind of child carer. Yeah. So obviously I was taking on yeah. adult responsibilities as a kid. But then when I was in, when I was, I was still that kid, but going to school. So my childhood experiences at school were kind of, I suppose I didn't enjoy it like a kid should. Mm-hmm. I suppose, you know, and, you know, to be honest. Um, so I suppose, uh, you know, it, I struggle, I struggle to kind of, I struggle to kind of equate it really. Cause I suppose it was such a long time ago, but 
yeah, I think um, I did. I did enjoy school to to to, uh, to a large extent, but like uh, at the same time, I think um, you know, I you had a lot I, of responsibilities. Yeah, I had a lot of responsibilities, and I, yeah. and I think that um, it kind of I don't know it it kind of skewed skewed the way that you looked at things because you know when your mates are kind of playing marbles, you know, you're out, you're out, you know, you're a little five, six, seven year old kid, you know, you're playing marbles or whatever in the street, or even you get a little bit older. I was always, I remember kind of playing football one time, you know, I was, I had two left feet, so I was never going to be a great footballer. <laughs> They'd always ask me to go and go. So you were the ones that got picked out last year? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was always, always, always like, oh, go on, it will take, go and go, mate. All right, yeah, no problems. <laughs> but um, anyway, kind of, I remember sort of, you know, doing those things and, and thinking and, and saying, look, okay, lads, I can't finish off the game because I'd, I'd had to go back and do a bit of caring. So wow. like I say, I think it, it, I suppose it impacted. And then, you know, experiences in school, yeah, they were, they were okay. But obviously I did have, you know, I think, I think um, it manifested itself in a way that, um, I kind of, I suppose I, I was, uh, I suppose, what, 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 what would the right word be? A bit rebellious. Um, <laughs> you know, a bit of a rebunctious kind of. Rude. Yeah, well, rude. Uh, Unruly. Unruly. You know, the man has way. No, the man has an fiercely. You know, so I suppose it kind of manifested itself in that way. And, um, you know, you know, you, I, you know, I'd get into squabbles and stuff like that but i suppose you know as i got older you kind of you know you kind of find yourself mm. and uh, from a from a racial standpoint did i get any sort of issues you know with other kids sort of saying remarks about my skin color yeah that did happen as a child you know i remember playing football and someone's like you know uh, you know you'd get the n-word hurled at you but i think because of because of my I think because of my strong character, I would always, I suppose, I'd fight back. You know, mm. uh, you know, I, I was I was one of those kids that, you know, if something was said and I I knew it wasn't right, I think I'd I'd try to settle the argument. And I, and that was, that was the way for a long time. I kind of dealt with disputes, but I know it wasn't the right way. Mm. I, I knew it was I knew it was the wrong way. And um, you know, over time, you kind of you realize that you don't have to settle disputes that way. You, you know, you, you can, you can be a lot more, I don't know. Um, vocal, vocal. You could be vocal. You could be diplomatic. You can diplomatic. be a lot more, you, you can be a lot more, you know, you can use your mind to be a lot more thoughtful in the process of trying to resolve sort of, you know, racial issues. But for, for but, but for, um, for many years, yeah, I would, I would resort to, to fighting and, 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 you know, because it was, I'm not saying I was a product of that environment. I'm not saying my father was a wild man, but was he? Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's a story for another time. What was he? Yeah. But that's for another podcast. But anyway, I just think, um, you know, just a little flavour. But uh, yeah, you know, it was, it was interesting, but then in some ways, as a child, a little bit troubling. Because obviously, mm -hmm. I think I couldn't, as a child anyway, I don't think, I think the education and my experiences were, were massively shaped by my mother that wasn't well. But can you yeah. see, can you see like that's, and this is one of the reasons I, and I think listeners will probably, probably 
hear this in every podcast. When, when you say about that's not the way or that's what it probably wasn't the right way to deal with things. So remember, you're the one that's being targeted for a certain reason and, and yeah. your, respo- your response is fighting. Yeah? yeah. Bearing in mind the country that we live in historically, yeah. you, you fighting, you're going to be one step away from a non-desirable outcome. Because, Very much so. Because of the perception that you'd be, you are the troublemaker yeah. You cause that incident. You're the aggressive one. You're the violent one. Yeah. And that's how, that's how quick this has an essence of what yeah. we're trying to say about this, yeah. about why we name it. This is because. Yeah. And it, it, I, I, I'll be honest with you. It was ironic when you mentioned that because uh, for, for much of my life in my early life, I was definitely one step away okay. from, uh, you know, an, as you call it an undesirable outcome, you mm. know, whether it be prison or, or, or some sort of, you know, reform school or, or whatever you want to call it. But um, yeah, I, I think, I think I probably was that one step away, but you know, I think, um, I think as I got older, you know, I met people along the way that kind of gave me uh, different life experiences, let's say, you know, when I was, you know, in my twenties, you, mm-hmm. you know, you, you date someone. I remember, I remember dating some girl who, I don't want to sort of go off on a tangent, but I remember dating some girl who came from a, an upper middle class background. And to be perfectly honest, at that time, you know, coupled with the things that were going on, I perhaps had low confidence. So I was like, oh, I didn't think that I was deserving of this individual. You know, it's a silly way to think of it now. But, you know, when you're 20 years old, I probably thought of it like that. Like that. Mm. But, um, you know, you know, uh, meeting that, meeting particular individuals, I kind of like it kind of took me away from my household and it was like, Oh, blimey, people actually live like this. You know, um, you know, it, it, it made me look at things slightly differently anyway. Mm. And I think from that, you know, that morphed into having more positive outcomes and, you know, and and looking at yourself differently as well. Same, same. I hear that man. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, uh, boy, I've had too many, um, and it's it's horrible even thinking about it. If I'm honest, um, I, I don't want to think too deep into it because um, it's it's emotive for me. If I'm honest, it's really emotive, and it only brings out um, feelings of disdain and distrust and disgust uh, for a for the group of people um, and who they represent uh, culturally. Um, period. Um, there's no no more to say about it really. But if I, if I focus on certain points, um, I should remember when I was in, uh, was it be infant school or was it preschool? One of them, I think it was infant school <clears throat> or could it be junior school? My memory's horrible. You're, you're I'm learned that soon. Um, and I remember running, you know, when you're running and playing as a child and stuff like that. And then you fall over, of course, and you graze yourself. And I remember grazing my arm. I, m- I remember grazing that. And a teacher, um, a white Caucasian teacher, came up to tend to me because I fell over and I scraped my arm. She was shocked that under my black skin was pink flesh. And this might be a shock to certain listeners now, that yes, under my black skin is pink flesh. I do not have brown muscular tissue. I do not have brown bones. It's only skin deep, which means it's surface deep. And that was when it really hit home to me. Like I knew I was black, but then I knew I was black. You mm. understand what I'm saying? Yeah. 
Like I knew I was black, but that situation made me know I was black. Jeez. This person who's a member is an adult, is a teacher, which means I come to her for education. Didn't know <laughs> under my skin, I had pink flesh, just like her. So that was a massive thing for me. And I remember not going home and telling my parents. I'm, I, I, I remember not telling my brother because I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed that I, I don't even know what I was embarrassed about, but that I was different, that there was a different expectancy because of my skin color. But that stuck with me, man. That stuck with me big time, man. Um, beyond that, the expectancy, um, this was a subtle racism. And if you're from similar cultural background as me, it, you might have experiences too. The expectancy to be the class clown. Now, that was my nickname for many years because I could make people laugh. And I, 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 and I still make people laugh to this day. It's my personality. But the class clown was attributed to me. Now, I always got top grades. Always. But I was called the class clown. Now, I done nothing different to my other counterparts who come from different cultural backgrounds. I done nothing different. Remember that part. But I was picked out as the class clown. The one to instigate unruliness within the classroom. Even though my counterparts done worse at times. They done worse than me. But because I stuck out like, like a sore thumb, because I looked different, I was the class clown. I was the class leader when it came to, not to positive out, outcomes, but I was the class leader whenever something went wrong. <laughs> so the teacher would always, you know, when they're on the chalkboard writing and something goes on and they, they only hear, they, they can't see. When that teacher flipped the head round or his head round, I would be the first person they would look at. Of course. That went on for years. <laughs> that went on for years. Yeah, even up until high school. Yeah, everyone knows what happened during the science class when a letter got sent home that I was apparently the group leader for the whole class going, okay, yep. so I can apparently, me as, as a child, child, can apparently control a 30 plus classroom. So I need to get a letter sent home saying that I'm the leader. Or, or, all right then, cool. Yeah, but beyond that, not only the class clown, so that comes into en en to entertainment, right? If you're the class clown, that means you're the, en you're, you're the entertainer. That's what we expect from you. Also, sport. I was expected to, to be the fastest runner. Oh, I was expected to be good at all different sports. No one ex ever expected me to be good in, in the classroom at, at academic level, yet I was always getting top grades. Yet no one ever attributed me as an academic. I can relate to that, 100. Mm -hmm. yep. Which made me laugh because education was easy for me. Eat, and I'm not even being big-headed. It was easy. Just put your head down, read, and, re and remember. That's all that is. It's not a measure of intelligence. Education is a measure of memory. Whoever remembers the most during an e e exam wins. That's that simple. It doesn't mean you're intelligent, smart, or, or anything. It means you've got good memory. Funny enough, I've got bad memory now, but I guess that's my curse, right? But there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, they, but, but there you go. So what was attributed to me was being the class clown, the entertainer, sorry, the entertainer, and being good at sports, which once again is the entertainer. So where does that come from is what I was like, which also what was... Um, what See, that, was surprises, was that surprises me though, because, you know, normally the class clown is the one who's, who is struggling with their grades? Mm. Yeah, of, normally, of, if, yeah, if, often, if the environment, oftentimes, you know what I mean. Oftentimes, the narrative is 
that person who's struggling with their grades tends to uh, take up that mantle as the class clown. Well, if you've got someone, you know? if you've got someone that sticks out more than yeah. the person that is that is struggling, which is a different skin color, where it's easy to kind of direct your attention to someone that looks completely different to the rest of the class, hmm. that that's when that mantra gets passed on from yeah. the the, cl- the actual class clown. It, 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 that's a nasty thing to say, really, but you know, yeah, I know what that, you're that, saying. That term. Yeah, of if, course. There's, if, if there's someone else that actually can take the heat more or, or the teacher yeah. feels they'll pass it on to you yeah there you, there you go yeah they'll attribute it to your you. head just by the the, the the process of elimination your head is above the parapet yeah mm. did you know what i mean so yeah. when the teacher turn around but also you're going to also it shows it, it shows someone's mindset if you ever yeah. done a thing where you say okay i'm looking for a red car right you will see it everywhere you go you'll see a red car Mm-hmm. Or if you ever bought a new car or you're thinking about buying a new car, yeah, 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 you yeah. will see that car everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So to me, that teacher's mindset was, you've been labelled already, yeah. right? So whatever, even if he wasn't involved, because you already been labelled, that's it. She was just and turn around and black like, children anyway within the yeah. educational exactly. setting. Mm. Exactly. So it's like, right, Kay, I know you're involved. How many times did you ever hear someone saying, I know you're involved. I can't yeah. prove but I know you're involved. You're like, what? Yeah. Mm. I haven't done anything. Mm. So to there's me, that's someone's mindset. Exactly. That's someone's mind. You already picked me out before anything. You already made up your mind about me. And that's it. Mm. And the thing is, I wasn't saying I was the most easiest, well-behaved person in the class. I'm not going to say that by any means. But I spent quite a lot of my school um, time in, the, in the detention in my early years. Quite a lot of time during break time, I was standing in the school hall. Quite a lot of time, um, I even got moved schools um, because I was hanging around a bad lot. People who were apparently influencing me to do wrong. Mm. But the but number one thing that but number two but the two things that stick out for me with in my schooling year, which told me you're different, is when. As I said, when I grazed myself and the school teacher, white Caucasian, she came up to help me and she was shocked at the fact that there was pink under my skin. And as, as I said, it might come to a shock to listeners mm. who don't come from our cultural background. And the second thing was the fact that I was expected to be a class clown and to be good at sports. I was not expected to be good at academic even though I was, it wasn't expected of me. The only people who ever expected me to be good at academics were my parents. Period. Okay. Well, and that's shaped like I'm sure the listeners can see how already things are starting to shape. Um, and that's crazy. And that's, 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 it's not unexpected because we've had to live that, but it's crazy to think from an early age these things are actually the the fact that you said that you felt i think it was ashamed or embarrassed not to, to even tell your parents that creates yeah, a complex that, that creates a complex within yourself so you've got to live you've got to live with that so all these little things that are happening at these ages that we're talking about at the moment are shaping us yeah shaping your rap. reality exactly um guys i'm gonna there's one particular uh, subject that I'm going to omit from this discussion, which is relationships, because I think that is so complex um, that needs to be probably one for itself. Switch over to part two, where we continue the conversation. 